Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. So it doesn't get much better than this. Cowboys, Rams, Sunday night, week one. It is upon us. KD, how was the long weekend, my man? Oh, man, it threw me off. I actually, uh, in my brain, I was thinking that today was Monday. and uh, But it, it's, it means that we're even closer to kickoff. We get the, right. the, um, the, the, the world champions on Thursday and then the Cowboys on Sunday night football. It, it's a great combination. It is. It is. And this is, uh, this is an interesting matchup that we're going to get into. Two of the best offenses in football. It should be a shootout. I think it's going to be great. I've been looking at... And not just you with the Cowboys, but, you know, all the wire sites across the USA Today Network. You guys have been doing such a great job covering every aspect of all these teams, especially even the practice squads, right? This might be the most I've ever read about the practice squads in my lifetime, right? And I don't know if that's a 2020 thing, KD, <laughs> or if you're always reporting heavily on these practice squads. But I feel like people are so starving for football this year that the initial depth chart, that first 53-man roster, everyone is like gripped to, you know, they, they, they want to know this information. You've been doing a great job getting that info out. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both, actually. I think that Cowboys Nation in large likes to pay attention to the smaller guy because we've had so many players that have come from the unknown into stardom. I mean, clearly Tony Romo is the most famous of all the undrafted free agents. People saw in Tony Romo that he could be a star from his first preseason game. So that's kind of funneled through the entire organization. Miles Austin, Cole Beasley, uh, many, many other players have been undrafted free agents. So we have a special affinity for the bottom of the roster guys. And then in 2020, they took away our preseason. We didn't get to see any of these guys. So the Cowboys on one hand had a phenomenal draft. Everybody is touting them for their draft class, not just getting C.D. Lamb, but all the guys down the line later on in the draft, uh, the Ben DiNucci's, the Bradley Anais, and then the UDFA class had a bunch of guys that seemed like potential stars. Defensive end Rondell uh, Carter, linebacker Francis Bernard, who a lot of people thought was going to make the 53-man roster. So not ever getting to see those guys actually on the field just increased the turmoil in, in the internal turmoil and in knowing whether or not these guys were going to make the roster. So that's why so many people paid attention to the practice squad. It was actually one of our best performing uh, posts of the summer to uh, that practice squad tracker that we put out there just because people were so in tune to seeing who actually made the team. And now, especially with COVID, where you don't don't know what's going to happen with the rosters, you really do need a full practice squad. They increased it from 10 to 12 in the offseason. Then COVID made them go from 12 to 16. The Cowboys get a 17 slot because they have an international player that can't play this year. So there's just a lot built into this practice squad that has everybody on, on basically on high alert. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun to follow. And especially with the Cowboys, like there's a game within the game this year a little bit, moving guys around, cutting guys, re-signing guys, moving guys to the IR. We saw a couple of starters, including Sean Lee, getting moved to the IR for meaning they'll be out for, what, at least three weeks. So, uh, yep. you know, but what, what stands out to you of, of all the moves the Cowboys have made? And there's been a ton of them. What stood out to you and what do you think about this initial 53-man uh, roster? 
I'm excited. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know who could have predicted Sean Lee getting injured, yeah, except exactly. for everybody that's exactly. ever watched a football game. We've seen game. that photo before of him <laughs> limping off. Yep. And it, it's ridiculous. I have way too many photos in my in my media gallery of Sean Lee being injured and, and being taken off the field. It's, yep. it's way too many of those. Uh, but overall, I think that the way that they constructed the defense and the turnover on the defensive line specifically is one of the most interesting things. They went heavy at defensive line. They went heavy at secondary. And when you roll in what they've done on the practice squad, the practice squad is also filled with multiple secondary members. I think five of the 17 spaces on the practice squad are cornerbacks or safety. So they're definitely making sure that they have what it takes to uh, be able to try to stop the pa- the opponent's passing game. I think it's going to be a very crucial part. But the top heaviness of the Cowboys roster of years past, it seems to be evening out. Even though they have a bunch of stars, they have, I believe, 16 players. It might be down to 15 after they uh, released Haha Clinton Dix. Uh, but 15 players that have previous Pro Bowl experience on their squad. So they're clearly capable of playing at a high level. But behind them, the amount of depth that they have, I have confidence in their number four and number five receivers. I have confidence in their whole backup offensive line. Uh, we lost Lyle Collins. He wasn't in shape. They say it's a hip injury. He's not in shape. Uh, he's going to miss the first three weeks of the season. And I'm a little bit sketchy about Cam Irving coming in and playing. But beside that, I really like the backups on the offensive line. I think that they go 10 deep on offensive line uh, as far as people that can play and start in the National Football League. So you see a a lot of depth throughout the roster. They have a, finally a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton that if he comes in and starts, you're, you're not worried about the season going down the drain. They have a long-term project in Ben DiNucci. I mentioned him earlier as a UDFA out of James Madison. So up and down the roster, you see the depth that's necessary for a team to be able to actually be a Super Bowl competitor. Because the biggest difference between a team going 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven and being a championship contender is how well they manage their entries. And in order to do that, you have to have depth up and down your roster. And the Cowboys finally seem to have that formula. So we'll see how it all shakes out in 2020. Love it. Seems to be shaping out well. And then what what jumps off the page at you when you start to, you know, start to break down your work for this week, when you start to work on this game, Cowboys, Rams, it looks like maybe two teams heading in different directions, uh, directions. I'm sorry. The Cowboys have kind of been ascending. The Rams took a step back last year. And I think the jury's still out about whether they're going to take a step forward this year. What's your leadoff take on this game? Yeah, it's, it's funny because with no preseason, you don't get a chance to spy on your opponent. You really don't know what they're going to be bringing to the table. Uh, so I, I spoke to uh, Rams Wire managing editor Cam De Silva, a good friend, and he basically is is going to be giving me the behind the enemy lines intel about what's really the real about this Rams roster. I have so many questions. Right. Is Jared Goff on his way out, you know, the way they structured his contract, they didn't really marry him long term, even though they gave him a bunch of money. And all of the things that we're hearing about his inability to take the offense in his own hands and basically that Sean McVay spoon feeds him every play through the headset, uh, you know, before they break the huddle. Yes. All of that kind of stuff is kind of really intriguing. How long does Aaron Donald have left as the best defensive player in the league? Is Jalen Ramsey, his last season and a half, he, he built a beautiful foundation to start his career in Jacksonville. But the last year in Jacksonville and his time spent in LA, he wasn't on the same level that he was those early years. Is this going to be his bounce back year? Is he going to be able to earn that supersized deal that everybody keeps talking about that the rest of these cornerbacks are getting? So I really don't know what the Rams are bringing to the table as far as uh, their personnel. We know Sean McVay is a genius. We know how smart he is about devising an offense that can trick opponents, but whether or not they have the personnel to match that will be interesting. And then evolving from that is a question, if the Rams don't make the playoffs two years in a row with a foundation that Sean McVay has built, 
is he on the hot seat in LA? So these are all questions that I have for myself that uh, going into this game. And I think obviously it's just one chapter of 17 or right. 16 games, 17 weeks. It's just one chapter, this one game, but it's a foundation for what you do the rest of the season. And because football is all about the small sample size, as opposed to baseball and basketball, where they have 80 and 162 games and so on and so forth, the football really, you don't, you, you don't always have to get a full representation of what a team can be across a regular season. Sometimes it can just be misleading and certain things can send you on a downward spiral, even though they're not representative of the true talent you have on your organization. So it's going to be an exciting uh, an exciting debut for the NFL this weekend. It is, and I, I love some of the things you just hit on. And one thing I want to hit on with KD coming up here on the uh, Cowboys Wire podcast is specifically Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, two guys drafted in the same draft class, a little bit of a gap between when they were drafted, and now they seem to be on completely different uh, platforms heading into the 2020 season. We'll get into that coming up. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about three fantasy options that I can't wait to play in week number one. Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew. He doesn't have a running game to speak of, and he's probably going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep Jacksonville even remotely close in this one. Volume alone should keep him in the number one range for quarterbacks, but it might not be pretty in terms of turnovers. Sticking with that same matchup on the other side of things, Marlon Mack. Jacksonville has lost just about everyone of note on defense in the last year or so. This was one of the best fantasy matchups for running backs last year, and one can make an argument that this team has regressed. Mack was good for 16 and 19 fantasy points, respectively, in PPR last year, and he's not even a receiving type back. Jonathan Taylor will take some touches, but Mack should be able to get his, too. And the Seattle-Atlanta matchup has DK Metcalf poised to be one of the top receivers of the week. He scored twice last year against them, accounting for two of his seven touchdowns on the season. Seattle should be a little bit better on the back end, but rookie cornerback A.J. Terrell will make his first pro appearance, and Metcalf can probably have his way with him. In week number one, don't get too cute. Trust the guys who you drafted highly. Don't try to take too many gambles and take chances where it's smart. Continuity probably will be the biggest factor in success entering the season. For more fantasy football tips and advice, check out thehuddle.com, part of the USA Today Sports Network. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what we were seeing, Skip, is that each guy was going up. They were increasing it by 500 to 750,000. We see Aaron Rodgers get 33 and a half, 34 million. We see uh, Russell, uh, 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 Russell Wilson gets 35 million. Mm-hmm. Well, here comes Deshaun Watson. He pole vaults and clears four more million per year. Mm. And he gets more in the first three years than Patrick Mahomes. Mm. 
Dak Prescott said, <laughs> Tom Franz didn't overplay his hand. Oh, really? Because he knew this was where the market was going, Skip Bayless. Because here's the thing. How many other quarterbacks are going to get signed? Because the team, I don't care what Jerry says. I don't care what Steven says, and I don't care what you say. These other teams believe they have their guy. That's why they lock them up. That's why they pay them that money. But the days of the 33 and the $34 million for the franchise quarterbacks are a thing of the past. Really? That's not happening. So obviously that was Shannon Sharp, KD, talking about the contract situation with Dak Prescott. And for me, it's fascinating. When I look at a guy like Jared Goff, like you hit on in our last segment, they threw a lot of money at Jared Goff. $110 million guaranteed at the time. It was the most guaranteed money any NFL player had ever seen. Might have been a poor investment. Now, maybe they move away from Goff, but they're still paying him a crap ton of money, right? And since that deal... We've seen Carson Wentz get money. We've seen recently Deshaun Watson, like Shannon Sharper just talked about, get paid. And we know Dak is on the uh, franchise tag. These quarterbacks are usually getting re-upped here in their fourth year. The Cowboys waited. And now, like, what do you think about this situation? Did they back themselves into an awkward corner where now they're going to have to pay Dak way more than maybe they could have if they would have just paid him a couple years ago or extended him along the line? I find this topic interesting. What do you think? Yeah, it's a sore subject with me. Um <laughs> One of my things that I I like to pride myself on is my knowledge of the salary cap, knowing where the market is on these players. Mm. And back in February 2018, and coming off a down year for Dak Prescott, I said that Dak should be getting paid basically around $29 million a year. And people hemmed and hawed. They scoffed. They said, there's no possible way. You shouldn't be paying him any more than $20 million. He might not Mm. even deserve that. He's a horrible quarterback. Look what happened when they didn't have a number one receiver. Well, yeah, look what happened when they didn't have a number one receiver. That happens to every quarterback in the NFL if you don't have a top guy. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened was basically the Cowboys let Prescott go into 2019 without a contract. And that was a mistake. I said again, yes, pay him $29 million. That's where the market is. That's where you have to pay him in order to bring him up to speed with everybody. They didn't. They avoided doing Doing that, And then, like you said, you saw uh, Wentz and Goff and Russell Wilson and Roethlisberger and all of these guys re-up deals and, and get their extension. Then all of a sudden, the market ballooned and Wilson was sitting there at $35 million. So the whole thing was, OK, well, now you got to pay him basically what Russell Wilson is charging because that's how contracts work. You pay whatever the going rate is when your guy hits the market. If you have a top 10 quarterback, which Dak Prescott is no doubt about it, he's a top 10 talent when it comes to the quarterback position. You have to pay him whatever the top of the market is. And now they've waited. They ended up putting this franchise tag on him. He's getting $31 million this year. Cool. Dak Prescott, before he gets a check, because he hasn't gotten paid yet, because franchise tag doesn't come with a signing bonus. So that man still has not seen any of the $31 million yet. To this day, he has now made $70 million less than Carson Wentz and $80 million less than Jared Goff right now. Now, he's going to make up a lot of that bridge, you know, when when he gets when he starts getting paid in the season. But right now, those guys have made 70 and 80 million dollars more than him over the course of their career. Incredible. Part of that is based on where they were drafted. Part of that is how early their teams lot them up. But that's unacceptable. And I don't care what you want to say about how much Dak Prescott makes in endorsements and all that. Don't count my side money. I have multiple jobs. If my side job pays me well, that doesn't mean that I don't deserve how much I'm worth from my main job. So 100%. people can miss me with all of that. Oh, there's so many perks of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback that you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, well, that's just just what it is. It has nothing to do with what the Cowboys need to be paying him. But spinning it forward, they've backed themselves in the corner because when you negotiate a contract, you basically, if you're a free agent, negotiated on how much money you'd be guaranteed if the team had to franchise tag you. So they franchise tagged him for 2020, and that's $31 million. If they tag him again in 2021, that's going to be $37 million. If they tag him again, 
That's going to be 144% of that. The total over the next two years that they had to franchise tag Dak Prescott three times is $90 million, which means that the average of those two years is $45 million, which is where Patrick Mahomes is right now. So would I say that Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes? No, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go down in the pantheon as one of the top two or three quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL of all time. He has that much arm talent. But again, it's not about whether or not you're the best. It's about where the market is when you hit free agency. So Dak Prescott could easily, easily command now, especially since um, since Deshaun Watson has put that $39 million out there. And we know that Lamar Jackson is coming. And some of these older quarterbacks are still, you know, coming up in the next year or two as far as they're being free agency. Dak Prescott is going to be in that $40 million range. There's no bones about it. Absolutely. And to think that they could have had him for $28, $29 million just a year and a half ago, they've completely screwed the pooch on it. Yo, Jerry Jones, KD could be the uh, GM, man. Could take a little bit. You could take. You could just take a little bit off your own plate. Hire KD Drummond of the Cowboys Wire. I, we would hate to lose him, though. Uh, yeah, I, I love Look, re- respectively, respectively, I would take so much less than what they think it would take to get me in the building. You, you'll do it for less than forty million a year. You're, you're fine with that. No, I yeah. promise. I promise you, I will do it for less than four million dollars a year. I would be so cheap, comparatively I, speaking, when it comes to NFL salaries. I got to tell you, on Sunday. Sunday night, we're going to see Jared Goff, obviously the number one overall pick in the 2016 draft, and we're going to see Dak Prescott, who was drafted in the fourth round, and one guy's getting paid as a franchise guy, and they don't even know if he's the franchise guy, as you alluded to. Yep, and then you got yep. Dak Prescott, who's outperformed Jared Goff, especially last year. Across the board, he outperformed him last year. And now you got two guys going in different directions. It is extremely interesting, and that's all going to be on the field Sunday night. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, will we come back? We're going to look at the line for Sunday night's game, the betting line. We'll be right back on the Cowboys Wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by Jeff Clark, my colleague at SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. And here's what you need to know about the Week 1 matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay is plus 145 on the money line with New Orleans Saints favored at minus 176. Jeff, which side of that do you like? I'm on the Saints. I'm on the favorites, minus three and a half. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm big about their offensive continuity. Their offensive line is going to be the hold up against uh, what should be a pretty good Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush. I'm not sold in the Buccaneers secondary right now, and how can you not be sold in the passing attack of the Saints? Hey, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rob Gronkowski, let's go. All-star underdog team, plus 145, locking that in week one, a big upset in NFC South. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Katie, the line for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by three points on the road at L.A. Me, personally, I like the Cowboys to cover that. I just feel like they're a better football team. My gut's telling me the Cowboys have something to prove. Maybe a Dak Prescott who has something to prove as well. Um, I like them in this game. And also the over-under of 52. That's one of the highest numbers on the board behind, obviously, Chiefs-Texans on Thursday night. That one's at like 54. But what do you think about that line? Cowboys favored by three with the over-under at 52. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat as you. I would pound the Cowboys on that one. I, I don't see uh, – I mean, there, there's so many let, – let me let me back up and sure. put a little bit of foundation to this. Sure. There's so many things that we don't know about what happens in week one. When you look at a team and you're projecting for the season, you tend to look at them for the totality of the season. That doesn't necessarily carry over in week one. Sometimes it takes teams a little bit longer to gel and to get into that groove and to really show who they are for the course of the season. That would be my one word. Point. The Cowboys have a new head coach with Mike McCarthy. They didn't have an all-season program. They didn't get to play any football games. Talent-wise, the Cowboys should clear the Rams by at least seven points. It should be at least a touchdown difference when you're going roster spot for roster spot. But with those other things taken into consideration, we just don't quite know. I would still pound the three points, uh, especially because, you know, if they if they win by three, you get the push and you get all your money back and so sure. on and so forth. Yep. But I would probably say I wouldn't take the over. I, I think that the Cowboys and Rams will combine for more points. I wouldn't bet it, though. It's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, yeah, I kind of agree with that, but I wouldn't put any money on it because things are just so uncertain when you're talking about the opening opening week. We've had numerous games in the past where the over-under is set high and it ends up being like a 25-point game, and you, and you have no idea what happened. Just circumstances. Sometimes those circumstances just happen, and I would be wary to put any substantial amount down on the Cowboys and Rams on week one being a shootout. Defense is normally ahead of the offense when it comes to early in the season, and I think there's enough stars on each side of the defense to make those kind of plays that might keep the score low. So I'll lean towards being an over. If you had to bet one, I would say take the over, but I would be staying away from it myself personally if I wagered. There you go. There's KD. He says, "Don't don't put ten units on the game. Maybe maybe a unit. You know, maybe maybe half a yeah, unit. There you, you go. Know, there you go. There whatever you go. whatever <laughs> your unit is. And for some of us, it's five bucks or something. That's your unit, and that's that's perfect because uh, the football's back and it's all about fun. Hey man, yep. next week after the Sunday night game, we get to come back and break down a football game. We get to break down what happened between the Cowboys and the Rams. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so it's gonna be good, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. Hey, you do the same, man. Let me just say before we leave, I just want to thank all of the football fans out there for sticking with us. We had no idea we were going to get to this point, but we've made it. There's actually going to be 2020 football for all of us to enjoy, and give yourself a pat on the back for being this patient and and making it to September. He's KD Drummond. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the Cowboys Wire podcast. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.